praise God. Here we go. Thanks for joining us again, Dominion Sonship Live. And it's amazing. Um, every time we start, it's like stepping on the water. And um, as the message usually comes to an end, that's when I get all fired up and I don't want to stop. Um, so it's going to be exactly the same way, stepping out on the water of the Word of God and the move of the Holy Spirit. I do have a title, and I believe the title that I was impressed with for today was Allow the Word to Persuade You. Allow the Word to Persuade You. Allow the Word to Persuade You, which which at that moment we recognize that we have a choice and we can disallow the word to persuade us. We can make a decision to not allow ourselves to be persuaded by truth and therefore believe a lie. And that's what happens is when we're in deception, the, the error of that deception is fortified by a spiritual reality of a fallen world and has a guard around itself to prevent you from opening your eyes to recognize truth. And so that's how many continue in the era of doctrine. They continue in, in deceptive ways, even though the truth is, is blatant and, um, for all to see, and yet when we choose to believe a lie, then at that moment we have chosen to walk away from truth. And so the prayer for the hour is, Lord, open the eyes of our understanding, lest we be caught in an error, deceived, not recognizing the error of our way. And so when we allow the word of truth to persuade us, we're actually opening our heart, we're opening our eyes to allow light to flood us. And this light of the glorious gospel, the light of revelation drives out darkness, drives out fear because this word, his word is love. And we know that love casts out fear. Let's go to the book of John chapter 17. This is Jesus praying for himself and then praying for his disciples right before his apprehension, right before the Garden of Gethsemane. And so it's a pretty important moment in the plan of God. This prayer, this, this prayer has been penned by John, inspired of the Holy Spirit, coming out of the words of the Word of God. The word of God is praying out. We know that he ever lives to be our intercessor, Jesus. Who is Jesus? Over the many weeks, oh, it's been almost going on two months now, I'm sure. We've had titles to do with the word of God. Every message has been to do with the word of God. Last week, it was the rest of faith is our possibility. The week prior, is his divine rest has loosed us. And we looked at the word uh, redeemed. We looked at the word purchase, ransom, and um, recognized that, that the blood of Christ, Jesus came to ransom us, to take us back and be, be now partakers of his divine nature. And then prior to that was 
living in the days of his son, which was living in the day of the word. And then prior to that is no wavering in adverse wind. And then prior to that, to that is God's word is unswerving. Yes, his word is unswerving. Yes, prior was the surety of the word of God. So if I keep flipping the pages, uh, then September the 15th, confidence in the word of God. And so going back to September 5th, actually, we have been on the theme of the Word of God, on the assurance of the persuasion that we have that the Word of God has birthed in our heart, and that is what we call faith. Faith is a persuasion of truth. Faith is trusting a divine reality, having an assurance that the Word of God is truth and that it has preeminence in my life now and everything in my life will line up with the Word of God because I choose to submit to truth. I choose to allow the Word to persuade me. I choose to believe. What does it look like to allow the Word to persuade you? It looks like believe. And last week we looked at the Israelites. We spent most of the time of last week's message. The rest of faith is our possibility on in, in Hebrews 3 and 4. And looked at the Israelites as an example of unbelief. And because of unbelief, because of unbelief, they could not enter the rest of God. They couldn't enter into the promised land. They couldn't walk out the rest of faith. What does the rest of faith look like? This week I was thinking about what does it look like to be in the rest of faith? It is to believe. To have such a, an assurance of that which you believe that you're totally unmoved. Though, though heaven passes and the earth be removed, it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it will be exactly, exactly as he had said. It will be exactly as he has said. It is an assurance. It is an affirmation. It is a confidence that makes you immovable. And um, we go back to Mark 4, one of the messages we looked in greater detail of Jesus asleep in the boat on a pillow in the middle of a storm. And the disciples terrified in the same boat as Jesus was in that boat. And yet he was in the rest of faith. He knew he was going to the other side. And so today, do you know, do you, do you have this persuasion you're going to make it? Do you have this persuasion you're coming out of every, do you have the persuasion? Do you have the confidence? Have you entered into the rest of this assurance? Have you, and I, and I like to use words a little bit different, but really bring forth the same message of faith. Because we have so often heard messages have faith, have faith, have the God kind of faith. And at some moment, it just goes right over our head. And either we're like, I have it or no, I don't have it. I'm a bad Christian, bad, bad, bad. I don't have faith. I don't have it. It's a lie. We do have it. Paul writes, we have the faith of the Son of God. No longer I who lives. Christ lives in me. But what we do now is we mature this faith. We grow this faith. We situate ourselves in a greater firmness of assurance. We enter that rest. That only the word 
speaks to us. That only the word communicates to us. And actually this past week, he did speak to me along this. Let's, let me see. I did put it in my notes. Yeah. October 22nd. Allow the word to persuade you. Let the word talk to you. You do not talk to yourself. But let the word talk to you. Let the word talk. Don't let doubt and unbelief talk. Don't let Desi talk to Desi. Let the word of God talk to Desi. Let the Holy Ghost communicate truth to Desi. Let it persuade me. Let it persuade you. Let it be your living reality. I love this expression, living reality. It is the reality that we're living out of. We all have a reality. We all have a paradigm. A set of beliefs. Well, let that paradigm be the word of God. Let the set of beliefs be the word. Don't let it be. Don't let it be your upbringing. Don't let it be. Don't let it be the political climate of the day. Don't let it be uh, even the, the word of a friend. But let it be the word of God. The word of your true friend, Jesus, who laid down his life for you and for me. Let it be that word of that friend who did not spare his life but gave his body and his blood shed for you and for me so that we have a persuasion of that which he says to us. It is so. It is so. Why would you ever doubt his word? And I say that with a passion because it's my passion of my own life. Why would we ever doubt this word of God? When this word, what does it say in John 1? And we started this series of this theme that he's been keeping us on for a while, on the word of God, that Jesus is the word of God. That the word became flesh and came and dwelt among us, John 1. Why would we doubt Jesus? Oh, no, I don't doubt Jesus. Well, are you doubting the word of God? If you doubt the word of God, then we're doubting Jesus. But he came to die for us. Going back to the basics, going back to the core principles of our faith, that I was a sinner bound to go to hell. I was beyond rescue of any human effort. I was Desi, Desi, Desi was happily going to hell. I didn't even know hell existed. But that's where I was going to go. If I did not have a night vision, the pure mercy of God, that's how stubborn I was. No one could tell me otherwise. Had to be a night vision of Jesus dying on the cross for me. And I knew he was the son of God. And he died for me. I knew it. Did not hear any words. I just knew it. I got up and I woke up my roommate. And I said, Jesus is the son of God. Indeed, this is the truth. And I've not been the same. Got born again. 
We go back to the basics. Jesus telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. So he came as a ransom for many. He came as a ransom for many. Not to give us some cute sayings, love your neighbor as yourself, cute sayings. We are to lay down our life and love our neighbors ourselves. That's the Christ love. That is, that is the agape love of God that comes only through a brand new birth. Not in the falseness of a smile and in the fakeness of I'll be kind in your face but gossip behind your back. And Jesus is coming for a pure bride. He's coming for a pure bride, a glorious church. And indeed, he will find faith when he comes. You and I will be standing to the end because of the grace of God. Because we've been saved not of our own works, lest we boast, but grace. Grace was dispatched towards us. Go back to the basics of our salvation. That he did indeed come. He did indeed die on a cross. He was crucified. He was spat on. His beard was, was pulled and, and he was beaten. He was mocked and he was crucified from many to see his nakedness. And even on the cross, he was mocked. If you are who you say, why don't you come down? The reality of Jesus is our reality. But what happened? What happened when he spoke, it is finished, and gave up that last breath? What happened? Down to the pit of hell he went for three days to defeat powers and principalities and make a public mockery of them so you and I can have a boldness today that if God before me, the champion of champions who went down, down to the turf home field of Satan himself and defeated the big, was it honcho? That was Satan. And every demon parading over, raised up by the power of the mighty Holy Ghost. And in his rising, we were raised up into a brand new life. For as many as believed him and have received him, we now have been given the right to be children of God. And if we're children of God, born of God, we have already overcome the world. And so this morning, as I was quiet before this moment, I knew I only had one verse, one verse, I wish I even forget what it was. And during the prayers and worship, I started shifting my focus back to basics. Back to basics. An assurance that you are a Christian. What makes you a Christian is because he died for you and you believe that finished work of the cross. And in his rising, we rose again. Born out of this resurrection. Children of the resurrection. 
And so here before this departure, he is praying to his heavenly father. The word communing with the father. The word and the father being one. What kind of communion is that? One heartbeat. One sound. One breath. Divine life communing with divine life. Oh, Rabasita Leandro Masita. The word praying to his father. In, in John 17, um, let's 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world. Jesus is coming back to the father. I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. He speaks words to us so that why? That we may have his joy fulfilled in ourselves. His word, when we allow his word to commune to us, when we allow his word to persuade us, it brings, it releases his joy within us. And that's who he was. He was anointed with that oil of, of the Holy Ghost of gladness above his brethren. Hebrews says that. Hebrews, just let me, give me a minute here. The oil of gladness. The oil of gladness. But to the son, this is in, in Hebrews 1.8. But to the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, has anointed Jesus of Nazareth, has anointed his son forever with the oil of gladness more than your companions. The Passion Translation calls it the oil of bliss. When we receive his words, he's saying that we're fulfilling his joy. It's being fulfilled within us. This, this, this blissful joy. The oil of joy, other translations call it. How amazing. And this is what he's saying. That he's giving us words. Let's go back to 13. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world for those that have ears to hear. We have ears to hear today. We have eyes to see today. Speaks into the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The purpose of his word is that we be in joy, that we be happy, 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 above the circumstance of the world. Oh, the happiest people on the face of the earth is us, the Christians. It's us, the ones that have allowed the word to persuade us. I've given them your word. Listen to this. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them. You see, this word is a sword. It is a divider. It brings a division. But that's okay. Because it's a separation from evil. Who wants to live in evil? Who wants to eat the fruit of evil? I don't. 
It's that we're now fully separate unto God. We are gods now. And so we are hated in the world. The way Jesus was hated in the world. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. For the sake of the word we are hated. Why would you want to buddy up with the world? If you buddy up with the world, it means you're compromising on the word. That's what James says. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's it, James. James talks about it along the same ways. But now I've got to see it. What does James, I believe it's James 4 he talks about. It's very strong, this one in James. James 4. Yeah, James 4, 4. Adulterers and adulteresses. Oh, whoa, it's strong language. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and yearns jealously for us. And I believe John talks about if we love the world and the love of the Father is not in us. Yeah. Oh, praise God. Holy Ghost is so good. Brings to remembrance these verses. In uh, 1 John chapter 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Which we know that's what leads to sin, and the wages of sin is death. And so God brings through his word, through his love. Because we know the word Jesus is the expressed image of God who is love. So the word brings forth a separation. The word brings a separation from the world. And verse 17, and the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. What is the will of God? The word of God. And so when I'm a doer of the word of God, I abide forever. Why? Because the word abides forever. The word endures. It doesn't fade away. Do you see how, how the word is one and how he links his truth in and out to communicate what did he just do right now? He persuaded us not to seek the favor of the world. He was just persuading us to walk away from the lust of the world. He's just persuading us that we are of God and we'll be hated in the world, but that's okay because we've been received by our heavenly father. And if God who is love is for us, then I don't care who or what in the world is against us. It is of no consequence because we just read that John said in 1 John that the world and the lust of it is coming to naught. It's coming to an end. It's fading away. I don't want to be part of the fade away kingdom of the world. I'm of the one that endures forever. We're the energizer buddy, buddy. We keep coming up, coming up, coming up. Life eternal. 
life eternal. From about to demonstrate through you eternal life. From about to demonstrate through you this eternal life of hope and glory. For there is a booing up. There is a taking up. There is a movement that is of a higher order. There is a movement of a higher rank. It is the very life of God that is upkeeping, upholding, and bringing forth a glorious demonstration of the sonship of the living God on earth. Glory be to God. The life of God is our keeper. The life of God is our confidence. And where is the life of God found? In his word. In his word. He is the life of man. He is the light that came into the world. That is the life of man. That's what John talks about. John 1. What does John 1 say? We've looked at this before. Verse 3, all things were made through him and without him, without the words, without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. Your life is shaped by the word of God. Allow the word to shape your life. How? By allowing the word to persuade you. Don't be in disbelief. Don't harden yourself. We looked last week. In, in chapter 3 of Hebrews, that it was the deceitfulness of sin that hardened their heart. And if I have time, I'll go to 1 uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 9 and, and 10, talking about the same, about the Israelites being hardened by sin. Why? Because they wanted to be friends with the world. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to flesh out. They wanted their flesh satisfied to eat the leeks and the melons and then be in slavery. But in their mind, in that deceptive, carnal mind, it seemed that to fulfill your flesh was better than to live in, in bondage. How deceptive is sin? Very deceptive. Don't trust yourself to be able to withstand it. Holy, the word of God is that discerner between spirit and soul. The intent of their heart. I don't trust my flesh to do the right thing. Never, never. If there was anything run by, done right by Desi Schneider, it was because there was a leader of the Holy Spirit I yielded to. Pure grace. But if I yield to the old man, I saw into the flesh, and in the flesh I ripped corruption, sobriety of mind in this hour. So we were saying what? <laughs> in John 1, right? That through the word everything was made, and nothing that was made was not made through him. And so verse 4, in him was life. I said, I said, where do we find life? Where is this eternal life that we're gleaning and living out from? It's his word. It is Jesus. So verse 4 in, in John chapter 1, in him was life. Who is he? The word made flesh. Who is he? He's the logos of God. He is the word of God. In him was life. Are you looking for life? Are you seeking him? He's found in his word. His life is in his word. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. See, when you take the word in, this light shines into every dark crevice of your soul, of the unrenewed mind, and it's driving out the doubt and unbelief. It's bringing forth a persuasion of truth. And darkness did not comprehend it. Darkness can ever overcome, never can overcome the word of light. And so if you go back to Jesus' prayer, that he's given us his word, and the world has hated us because they're not of the world. You see, we're separate from the world, just as I'm not of the world. Jesus says, just as I am not of the world, who is he? He is the word of God. So can we say, just as the word of God is not, is not of the world? So why would you look for truth in the world? He says, my word, I am not of the world. There's nothing, nothing in the world that would shine a light for us to walk in. Because you see, we are the light of the world. We are. Because he now lives in us. So we are really on a rescue mission. We are on a lo love assignment. We are on a forgiveness mission. A ministry of reconciliation, Paul says, that we have now in Christ. That we cry out, be reconciled to God, that we plead. Be reconciled to God. Because he's not reckoning sin against you anymore. See, when you become persuaded by the word of God, you become very passionate. <laughs> you become passionate because you realize this is your life. And it's because of this life that you've made it this far. That you haven't lost your mind. That you're sound. That you have a living hope. That you believe the word. That says, if God be for me, who can be against me? Just that verse, Romans 8, 31, has, has brought so much joy and sassiness in my life this year. So, so much confidence. Just one verse. And the Bible is full of them all. Many. The other one is in, in 1 John. I'm born of God. I've already overcome the world. The other one is that through the cross, the world has been crucified to me in uh, Galatians, I believe. Galatians 6. Makes Desi very happy. Everyone likes a happy Desi, especially my family. Mm. Yeah, we'll just keep flipping through the verses that I feel impressed to go to. Yeah, Galatians 6. But God forbid that I should boast, verse 14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What should boast today? How well you've made it through the week without losing your mind. Uh, no. My boast is the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of this cross, I've reckoned myself dead to the world and the world dead to me. 
I've been able to overcome this week. Because my soul boast is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. You must be born again. And so here, and when you're born again, you are of God. You are a brand new creation. Nothing, nothing in the world has any resemblance as to who you are. And so they can't identify you. And you can't receive any identification from the world. Your sole identification is God. So let's move. Did we finish? Yeah. So let's go to 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. So don't be crying. I want to go to heaven. Don't, don't, don't say that. Not yet. We're on a mission. But that you should keep them from the evil one. We're being preserved in this hour. We're being kept. Jesus prayed for us that we're being preserved. They are not of the world. We are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Look at 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You see, when we allow the word to persuade us, we are actually being sanctified by truth. It's part of this preservation. It's part of this saltiness of our life. It's part of this being a a lit up light for God. This is the preserving agent. It's the word of God. That when we're allowing the persuasion of truth to groom us and to mold us and to shape us, we are becoming a stronger light. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. There's only one way you can sanctify yourself, not by doing more good things, is by sitting at the feet of Jesus, which looks like reading your Bible, reading your Bible. I do not pray for these alone, and here he's praying for you and for me. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me. Those who will believe in me. We've been talking about believing. This is the heart of worship. The heart of worship, it is to believe God. Pure worship that the Father is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth is those who will believe. Those that are of faith as Father Abraham. Those that would reckon their old men dead. That now they're brand new creation. That is the heart of worship that we're coming back to. The heart of worship is a heart that believes God. Not like the Israelites of old way with their mouth that were close to God, but their heart was estranged from God, far away, and that was an idolatrous moment. Vain worship. But his prayer is that we will believe In him. Who is he? He is the word of God. I pray for those who will believe in me through their word. Through Paul's word. Through John's word. Through Peter's epistles. Through James. Profound. 
He saw us. He saw you. He saw me from afar off, and he prayed for us. So we draw nigh unto him. That's love. Why would you ever fear? Why would you ever take the lies of the world when you have the truth of the word of God? that He loves you. He has prayed for you to believe his word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. See, when you and I believe the word, when you and I believe that this is truth, we become one, one with another. We become one with the word. And at that moment, the world starts believing on God. Do you see why the enemy has brought so much division, so much psychology in Christian camps, no preaching of the word of God much? You go to some services, they, if they read one verse, two verses, you see, this word is what brings unity in the body of Christ, and the unity of the body of Christ then is what causes the world to believe on God. And so I thank God for this mighty shaking that's going on right now. It is a very good thing, a divine alignment to come back to the word of God, back to our first love. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, this is so beautiful, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Where is your perfection in the striving? Your perfection is being one with God. Your perfection is to believe his word. When you allow the word to persuade you, you be, your faith is being perfected. Why? Because you're recognizing the love of God, that as the Father has loved the Son, so he loves us too. Oh my, that we are now one with them. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the body of Christ in him, of him, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, and they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And then he continues to say how the Father has loved him before the foundation of the world. What a beautiful moment. And then verse 26, And I have declared to them your name. I have declared the word of God has declared his name, has declared his righteousness, his holiness has declared who God is to us. As we behold the word, we're beholding our heavenly father. That's why he rebuked the disciples when he said to them, you know where I'm going? They're like, uh, show us the father. I'm going to the father. Show us the father. He says, well, don't you know I've been with you all along? When you see me, you see the father. 
And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me, the love with which God loved his son may be in them and I in them. Oh, oh, even just this, if you meditate, even just this, if you allow to persuade you. Do you believe? Do you believe what he just said in, in, in John 17, 26? Jesus said, and I have declared to them your name. You know his name. You know his name. You know his name. And we declare it. And the love with which you love me, the, the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. Glory be to God. So let's go, let's go to, um, I want to look at in Isaiah, God being not too happy with his kids. Isaiah 29, I want to look up a couple of verses, uh, taking me back to a pure worship, a pure worship. In Isaiah 29 and in Matthew 15. So Isaiah 29 writes in 13, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths. You see, we can all sound right. Not one time did Jesus say, I'm praying that they'll sound right. But he prayed that we believe. Tying it to last week's message, because it really flows from last week's message about a believing heart. That, that in, in, um, in Hebrews chapter three, that the Lord said that they departed, they swayed away from God in their heart and departed from the living God. And they couldn't enter because of this disbelief. And regarding them here, he says that inasmuch as these people are drawn near with their mouths, they say the right thing. They say they believe God and they honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. They have removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of man, by doctrine of man. They're being taught by doctrine of man and not the word of God. Be taught by the word. Be taught by the word. Be taught by the Holy Ghost that will disclose the word to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to disclose this truth. Be taught of God, not commandments of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people, a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. And so God is going to restore our hearing. Here in, in um, Matthew 15, 7, hypocrites. Hypocrites, he says, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth. And honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus is quoting this scripture. With their heart, their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me. In vain they worship me. We don't just do lip service, lip service. Teaching us doctrines, the commandment of man. When he had called the multitudes to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. 
Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what goes out of the mouth, this defiles the man. And why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so how do we drive out defilement out of our lives? By allowing the word of God to persuade us. The word of God alone would remove it. Here in, in verse 13, he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. What has he planted in us? He's planted the word of God. We're born out of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And so this seed is planted and it's producing a, a, a harvest of righteousness in us. But whatever is not of God will be approved. Verse 14, let them alone, let them go. They're blind leaders regarding the Pharisees. They're blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. And so today, we are, our eyes are being opened up by the word of God. Our heart is being cleaned out by the word of God. Because we are allowing the word to persuade us. And so we believe. Amen. We are done. Amen, amen, amen.